0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org party today.
1: Change is the one constant in life. It is inevitable and it will happen to all of us at one time or another. Whether we like it or not, people and circumstances will change. We will get sick, loved ones will die, jobs will be lost, couples will grow apart, and children will move out. And when that happens, we are scared and sometimes lost. But here is the good news. Each one of us can write the next chapter of our life. No matter what we face, with the right mindset and unwavering tenacity, we can raise the curtain to a second act. I'm Joan Herman, and through my Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life brand and Second Acts, it is my mission to give you the tools, inspiration, and motivation to write the next part of your story. And what a story it will be! Welcome to 2nd Acts. Axe. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for joining us. Many are in search of ways to reach their highest potential. They want to be wise, strong, happy, and loving. According to today's guest, Dr. Rick Hansen, science is revealing how these ways of being are based on changes in our own nervous system, making them more attainable than ever before. He joins us today to explain the new neuroscience of awakening and how this can be an effective path to handling stress, healing old pain, feeling at ease with others, and understanding our natural goodness. Dr. Hansen is a psychologist, senior fellow of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center, and a New York Times bestselling author. Welcome, Dr. Hansen. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure to be here again.
1: So, Rick, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Your work is so interesting, and you have a new book out now that's entitled Neurodharma. What is neurodharma? Can you explain this to us?
0: It's a made-up word for really the meeting, the combination of modern brain science, that's the neuro with both psychology and the meditative traditions around the world. That's the Dharma. And when those two come together, you uh, build on the penetrating analysis of our minds, found in in the meditative traditions as well as in modern psychology. You combine that with a deep understanding of what's happening in the hardware, what those neurons are doing, right? Then what you can do is deliberately stimulate the circuits in effect, Uh, that underlie deep calm, resilience, compassion, and gratitude, and by stimulating those neural circuits, you strengthen them. It's kind of like working a muscle again and again, but now with the new science of all this, we know better and better what it is we're actually doing.
1: So let's break this down further. Let's start off with the traditions. What do old traditions teach us about life?
0: Wow, that's a profound question. That's great. <laughs> uh, traditions. Okay, there are many traditions, and I want to definitely include the traditions of the first people, the native people, the indigenous people, maybe called shamanic traditions around the world. Then we have the kind of well-known traditions like Christianity. I was raised a, a kind of a casual Methodist growing up. Then you have Eastern traditions such as Buddhism and um in my early 20s i began to meditate and i learned a lot about the buddhist teachings himself they're very simple very direct practical psychological Uh, those teachings for example say essentially that all of our experiences are changing and if we keep chasing shiny objects we'll always be disappointed because they keep changing and what we need to do is to take the middle way in life in which we live responsibly and live with passion and live well while at the same time, letting go along the way. Well, sounds good, right? Harder to do in practice, actually, but that's for, that's an example of some good, for me, very useful teaching from a an ancient wisdom tradition.
1: What happens then when we combine the science of the brain with these old traditions?
0: One thing you start to learn um, how practice, in, including the modern updated, Say, say a person meditates for 10 minutes a day, or maybe a person does some yoga and or maybe a person uh, just does a pr- gratitude practice. Increasingly, we're starting to understand the physical changes they leave behind, which then are really motivating. In other words, when you know that this thing that maybe your well-intended partner has told you to do, honey, you need to take three breaths before <laughs> you say something, uh, when you finally understand, oh wow, that's actually affecting the hardware, that's producing a mechanical kind of result inside me, you get more motivated. Another example is you start realizing that we've got some, you know, well-intended features in our brain that are more like bugs today. One is called the negativity bias. That's because as we evolved, Mother Nature wanted her little babies to be very scared of bad things and, you know, kind of motivated for good ones. But these days we have a brain that's like Velcro for bad experiences, but Teflon for good ones. It's a design feature of the brain. It was a feature back in the Stone Age, but today Mm -hmm. it's like a bug. So we can compensate for that by not um, overly ruminating, especially these days. It's so easy to get caught up in kind of negative rumination inside your head, much like you might feel sort of trapped (laughs) in your physical setting where where you're sheltering in place. So if you ruminate a lot and, um, you know, worry about things or get resentful about things, you are reinforcing those neural traces inside your brain. And when you realize how vulnerable you are to that, it's another good motivator to not ruminate so much.
1: And I think everything that you're talking about today and the timing of your book, it couldn't have been better because as you said, we're sheltering in, we're we're living in such uncharted territory, fear and anxiety and mental health issues and uncertainty, really incorporating these practices with what we know about the brain. It, it just couldn't come at a better time.
0: I really appreciate you noticing that. Um, <clears throat> so there's perennial wisdom and it's perennial. So it's always evergreen on the one hand. On the other hand, that wisdom is not just for one week a year when you're at yoga camp or for exotic characters in caves somewhere high in the mountains. Um, it's for everyday life. It's for, okay, how can we grow strengths inside and how can we use the strengths we, we've grown, uh, like grit or gratitude or a wider perspective or a sense of uh, contentment even with what we have. How can we bring these seemingly lofty capabilities into everyday life? They're very applicable, and I think uh, about, for example, uh, one thing recently that came out of the book, The New Brain Science of It All, is to appreciate the ways in which when we're bothered by something, we really narrow our view. We, We form a kind of tunnel vision. Research shows that if instead you try to back up, get a sense of your body as a whole as you breathe, then get a sense of the room as a whole, all right, and then maybe even extend your gaze sort of out toward the horizon, what that does inside your brain is it calms down verbal chatter. It calms down uh, what's called mental time travel, where you're you know, worried about the future or lost in the, fa- in the past. It brings you right into the present to widen, to get the sense of things as a whole. It also reduces the sense of self, me, myself, and I, my precious, right? And it gives you a, a really nice foundational feeling of a kind of spacious calm from which you can deal with your challenges. You know, I've done a lot of rock climbing, and one thing you just don't want to move, especially on tricky ground, is move from a shaky footing or a shaky handhold. You want to move from one solid hold to another. Uh, And so in this way, as we calm down, as we work the breath, as we light up the circuits I talk about in the brain of, let's say, this wider view or other things, then we're much more able to function well uh, and um, take good care of ourselves and, and others too.
1: And Rick, I want to back up for a moment. For listeners that are not familiar with neuroscience, neuroplasticity, can you just explain to us how all of the things that you're talking about, how they actually impact the brain? Because so many people have been taught that as you get older and you age, the Mm -hmm. brain degenerates and you lose function, but but the science is actually showing something different.
0: That's really right. Um, So there are multiple sort of mechanisms, really interesting, that that underlie any kind of learning, any kind of development. So maybe someone learns how to, you know, make spaghetti sauce a little better. Well, something in your brain had to change for you to be able to get better at that. You learned how to do something better. Similarly, when we learn how to be more patient with other people or we learn how to feel more of worth in our own innate being, not arrogant, but not feeling inadequate or ashamed of ourselves or broken in some way, when we grow in those ways, something must change in the brain. So the physicality of that is that in our heads, we have about 85 billion neurons amidst another 100 billion or so support cells there are a lot of them and the neurons are connected to each other uh, about several thousand on average connections each that gives us a network inside our heads of several hundred trillion little microprocessors all sparkling away and they connect with each other in a variety of ways for example as a person learns to be I'll give you a concrete example as a person learns to be more mindful and more patient Typically what happens is they literally build neural tissue behind their forehead, part of the brain that is involved in top-down kind of executive regulation of ourselves, uh, reminding ourselves to, you know, take those three breaths before you speak in anger. Um, Also, as people become calmer um, and, um, you know, more resilient, there's greater uh, tissue also grown in a part of the brain called the hippocampus, uh, which... uh, is uh, calms down the alarm bell of the brain, the amygdala, and in the amygdala, this alarm bell that watch out for this or that uh, uh, actually gets more regulated as people become more mindful and calmer. So it's it's circuitry in a funny kind of way. It's like tuning your car, uh, and that tuning happens partly by new connections forming physically between neurons, even within minutes. Existing connections get altered for better or worse Um, and also there are changes in the expression of genes inside the neurons Um, blood starts flowing to regions that are really busy it's like muscles get bigger because you know Mm -hmm. they need more blood flow so parts of the brain for example that are involved in mindful self-awareness calming and compassion those all you know get more capillaries bringing blood to them Uh, even there's greater coordination among parts of the brain Uh, You know how we sometimes have the feeling that we're being pulled in two different directions by two different horses inside us, uh, pulling our buggy in the opposite directions. And what happens, um, let's say, with these practices is that parts of the brain that are not being properly coordinated with each other, thus supporting that sense of inner conflict, they start operating more in harmony with each other. So it's sort of like the whole team inside you is working together. So there are other major mechanisms, but that's a good summary. And the takeaway is really hopeful for everybody, including people like me in my mid-60s. Lots of research shows that people, even who are older, can actually use this neuroplasticity, is the fancy term, can use this to gradually, truly grow the good inside themselves. It's not an overnight process. It's not a magic bullet, which is why I trust it. It's realistic right? It's, it's authentic. It's grounded. It's one day at a time. But every day, if you deliberately, let's say, I give people a five-minute challenge. Every day, take, you know, a minute or two, looking for a handful of experiences that you want to soak into yourself. Slow down for a breath, two, three breaths in a row, a few, couple dozen seconds to kind of marinate in the experience and help it sink in. Maybe the feeling that someone likes you, Help it sink in. A sense that you're actually getting stuff done, uh, even amidst all this coronavirus you know, stuff, let it sink in. That'll take a minute or two a day. Another minute or two a day, look for one thing in particular you're trying to grow in yourself. Are you trying to become a little more patient? Trying to become a little more skillful with other people? Trying to become a little more compassionate for yourself? A little more on your own side? Okay, look for opportunities to have an experience of that that again you internalize you slow down for that breath or longer to receive it into yourself so it gives your life direction okay there's one thing i'm working on you know what i mean i'm not perfect there's one thing at least i'm working on along the way all right and then the last you know couple minutes a day that now we're up to five total really slow down and come home to yourself do what i call rest in deep green where you just let it go and you just hang out You don't try to get any work done for that minute or two. You just stay present with yourself. Maybe stay aware of the feeling of breathing. Help your body calm down and try to open into an underlying feeling of gratitude and calm and connection, lovingness, warm-heartedness with other people. That's our resting state. That's our home base. But we spend so much time driven from home, it can become the habit of inner homelessness. So that's my five-minute challenge. Everybody has those five minutes. They're spread throughout the day, Um, and yet, if you do them one day, it'll change your day. If you do them for a week in a row, other people will start to notice that there's a real shift in you. And that's just five minutes, because the brain is so quick. It can grow, it can change rapidly.
1: And the words that you have been repeating are slowing down, being mindful. If we don't do that, you know, if we allow all of this information to keep coming at a rapid fire pace, then it's difficult to make those types of changes.
0: That's correct. We're just swept along. Um, I know, John, that you know them yourself from the inside out um, in some ways. These are, I think, the essence of self-reliance. They're old school. The worse it gets around you, the more important it is to grow strengths inside you, right? That's Mm -hmm. classic. And um, so we are called to a personal responsibility, and we are called to getting control of our minds at least a little bit instead of as you say being distracted by one thing or another or swept along by one thing or another uh, over the course of our day and um if you think about it if people value uh being the boss of their own mind you know these days people are saying well you're not the boss of me well are you the boss of yourself right (laughs) you know inside your core are you the boss of yourself or in a healthy sense can you are you autonomous do, are, you know who's the captain of your ship right and, and, and it, you know or are you just being swept along by other currents around you also besides autonomy do you value competence do you value skillfulness well uh, are you skillful with your own thoughts and feelings and we have the opportunity every day to become a little more skillful with our thoughts and feelings and to exercise that sacred autonomy that we have in the core of our being and along the way Become more self-reliant, more resourceful, because we're more full of resources inside for the sake of others as well as ourselves. And all this is hardwired into your own brain, into your own nervous system. If you use the methods that I lay out in the book, which are backed up by tons of uh, research that's buried in reference notes in the back.
1: The book is NeuroDharma New Science, Ancient Wisdom, and Seven Practices of the Highest Happiness. If you'd like to get more information about Rick and his work, you can visit Rickhanson.net And as always, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com, which stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Rick, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with?
0: Well, I would like to suggest that at this time in which there's so much that we don't have control over, and there's so many uncertainties that it's more important than ever to clean house inside <laughs> to use this opportunity you know in the inner world much as some people are you know using it in the outer world you here you are sheltering in place at home more closets i think are getting organized right a uh, mm-hmm. little back backlog of stuff in the garage is getting handled that's definitely true in our home and in the same way we can clean house inside we can just take stock okay What's it feel like to be you? How are you doing? What's it like? Start there. And then second, um, listen to a kind of intuition, a wisdom that says, you know, I wish I fill in the blank. I wish I were calmer. I wish I were happier. I wish I were more patient. I wish I didn't worry so much about what other people think. Okay, now you have a goal. What do you want to grow? What do you want to heal? How do you want to develop? And then through the fantastic profound power of self-directed neuroplasticity. You're taking charge of the brain change process inside yourself. Every day gives you opportunities to experience whatever you want to grow. And then when you experience whatever you want to grow, slow down, take it in. For me, there's a simple um, three-step process. Deal with the bad, turn to the good, take in the good. Again and again, all day long. This is not positive thinking. It, It actually is more realistic because by taking in the good we grow strengths inside to deal with the bad more effectively. So that would be the one thing I would leave people with. Claim the power you have to grow a little more of the good inside your brain and therefore inside your mind and your life each day.
1: Rick, thank you so much for joining us. I always enjoy speaking with you and I would love to have you come back so we can continue the conversation.
0: Oh, it would be a complete pleasure and uh, the thing I would just leave people with is um, that this is very practical. You know, little things add up over time, uh, drop by drop. Uh, there's a saying that if you take care of the minutes, the years will take care of themselves. And I think that's very helpful. Years are kind of above my pay grade, right? Uh-huh. But minutes, okay, the next few minutes, <laughs> I feel like I can I can influence that a little bit. And show up and do my job and be the best I can be in the next few in the next minute and then the minute after minute after minute after that taking in the good along the way
1: thank you for joining us I hope you found the show informative at Change Your Attitude Change Your Life we believe that knowledge is power take what you've learned apply it and live your best life now remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation if you'd like more information visit our website cyacyl.com That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, subscribe to our mailing list, check out our articles, magazine, book club, and be sure to follow us on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.